Hello, and welcome to another episode of Whole and Complete Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Shantae, and Whole and Complete is all about faith, wellness, loving God, living well. And we are coming up on the end of our first series in season four, the breakup series, where I have regaled you with my story of woe about how I went from what I thought was a happily coupled situation to one where I decided that it was not in uh, my best interest to move forward in a situation with an individual who had some attachment issues that were just incongruent with mine. And as you know, I always try to normalize the help seeking in these types of situations and scenarios. And so I always try to bring expertise onto the show that kind of specializes in these areas that has some license or professional or clinical background in this area. And I am really... This is this is going to be a, a a fun enterprise for me because y'all, I didn't got into the TikToks. I said I would never do the TikToks, but I, I have gotten into the TikToks. And as I was TikToking, this young lady kept popping up in my algorithm. She kept coming up in my For You page. And I'm just like, after a while, I started to feel like she was coming for me. Like I literally started to feel like, dang, this young lady coming for like all the edges. Like, what is she doing? You know, and she specializes in relational trauma you know she's a relational trauma therapist and a licensed master social worker and so I reached out to her and I was like by chance do you do podcast interviews and she graciously accepted and so listeners I am happy to welcome to the show Vernique Esther Vernique thank you so much for coming to Whole and Complete Podcast thank you Shante. I'm so glad to be here listen I'm glad that my TikToks tracked you down so we could connect <laughs> I mean, like literally telling me about myself. And so, you know, Vernique is up to speed with respect to my situation, you know, in my previous relationship, but it's less about me. And it's really more about what are the things that we need to be looking for as we navigate, you know, dating and relationship spaces? Because I think that there are people that will tell you, you need to make a list. And there's a lot of videos out there about a high value man or a high value woman. And, you know, there's all these kinds of, I think sometimes kind of superficial markers as to what that is. But one of the, the questions now that I find myself asking like potential dates and prospects, I'm like, forget the love language. I'm like, do you know your attachment style? And they're like, what? And I use that as an opening to really share like how important that is. And so Vernique, can you tell me like how important it is or if it's important to know like what your attachment style is as you're engaging in po potentially new relationships? Yeah. So attachment styles are so interesting because it's getting popularized just like other clinical terms and things in social media. And so I do think that it's important, but maybe not for the same reasons that other people think it's important now. The attachment styles are changeable, but we don't often lean into the fact that you can move towards a secure attachment style. So for those who don't really know about attachment styles, and I'm not an attachment expert by any means, but when you're talking about relationships, it often is important to um, identify where the three main categories of attachment style are anxious. And then you have secure and then you have avoidant. And so a lot of these, like the basis of attachment style is this, this theory that states that 
the way that you attach to your family of origin, to your parents, guardians, et cetera, caretakers, is indicative of how you're going to attach in other intimate relationships, specifically romantic relationships. But I myself have seen how my attachment styles differ depending on the type of relationships I have. So um, in summary, I do think that it is very important for you to know the attachment style, but not so that you can create an identity around it, but so that way it can foster a sense of self-awareness and then move you to move towards a more secure attachment style if you're not there already. Thank you for that. I love that you said that. And listeners, this is really key. And so, you know, we have talked quite a bit about some of the characteristics of anxious attachment styles. We've talked about some of the characteristics of avoiding attachment styles. And as Vernique said, that's not a place to kind of dig in and be like, well, this is where my flag is planted. I'm anxious and you got to deal with it. You know, it's like, no, it's like, I'm anxious. Here's why I'm anxious. Here's how that anxiety shows up in relationships. Here are the ways that that doesn't work for me. And here are some alternatives to how I can show up differently. And so I, I like that you kind of frame it as a gauge of kind of like plotting your development, you know, and, and how you progress through relationships because to kind of be in that place of like, well, this is who I am. And, you know, you got to kind of take me as is. I think if the goal is a healthy, thriving relationship, I'm not sure that that's the best place to plant the flag. I 100% agree. And I think that we're so used to um, having all of these different designations. And then when you look at all the different assessments that are popular on social media, media, right? Like the Enneagram, Myers-Briggs, even when you look at love languages, we tend to, and I think it's because the brain loves security, right? It loves sure things, it loves patterns, and we like to be able to say, oh, I'm this, I identify with this. But when it, it's, this is a, this is kind of the issue with, um, it's positive and negative of, of mental health infiltrating social media, is that people don't rightly know how to use these tools and these designations as a way to understand yourself better and not, again, to form your identity around. It's interesting that you say that because I find the same patterns with the Zodiac, like there are some mm -hmm. people that are really dug in. They be like, uh-uh, I'll mess with yeah. Capricorns. I, I am at Leo's, uh-uh, you know, I can't deal with that energy, that Pisces. And it's right. just like, and there's so much identity. And to your point, not only are we looking for security, but we're also kind of like craving belonging. Like this yes. is group or the category to which I belong. And this is the means for which I can better understand myself. But listeners, uh, what I hear Vernique saying is that those lenses can be very limiting, <laughs> mm -hmm. that they can be very uh, restrictive. And that even though you might share some of those traits and characteristics, ultimately we have choice, right? We have right. choice about how we want to show up in those places because Truth be told, there are some people that have certain Zodiac signs or traits or what have you that act radically different than, you know, mm -hmm. maybe the other three that you know. And so I think um, that element of individual choice is is really important. So I want to dig a little bit into your expertise right now, which is kind of like that relational trauma, right? Mm -hmm. And so if you have a background where at a period in your life you felt neglected or overlooked or abandoned um, or your needs were not met and what have you, what are some of the ways that you see those types of, of traumas, if they're, if they're not resolved, 
facilitating and infiltrating romantic relationships? Yeah, I tend to take the approach that, especially with my clients, I see a lot that people try to either undo or like rewrite the story of their trauma when they don't address it. And so what happens is you have somebody who maybe had an insecure or a very, dis, let's say an insecure or an inconsistent parent right? They, you never knew how they were going to respond. You couldn't engage. And so you had to learn how to be relatively self-sufficient. Well, growing up, you now are connecting in romantic ways to people and you're, you're trying to almost find, um, in, in our kind of pre-chat, you said this word and, and like, I use this word a lot and it's so key. We oftentimes try to use like this redemption or we try to have this redemptive experience in order to undo all of our past not realizing that that person was not there. <laughs> and so they cannot be the the crux of your redemption story. Now they can, they can be part of, and, and, you know, we're believers. So God can use them as part of your redemptive story, but they themselves are not your redemption. Like oftentimes, again, like we look people to the hero in our own stories and you should have started doing that work to unattach yourself from those experiences or at least to resolve them so that way you can create new experiences instead of keep keep rewriting or trying to um, use an eraser for the story that was already starting. Y'all, I didn't bust out the tambourine. So Vernique probably looked at me like, what the hell? But my listeners are used to this. Like they know, like when somebody is, is, is speaking a word, I will go ahead and bust out the tambourine on you because she really just said some um some things right there. First of all, um, listeners, in case you missed that, when you have uh things that happened in your past or, you know, needs were not met or you were neglected in some ways and things just were not consistent, there's no undoing that. One of the things about trauma is that trauma is is it's it's unchangeable. Like it happened, you know, and the fact that it happened doesn't mean that there's no healing. It doesn't mean that there's no growth. It doesn't mean that there is no way to um, develop healthy habits of mind and living, you know, in spite of said trauma. But I love that you, you really make this distinction that your new boo or boo to be or bae or whatever you call them these days, this is not your opportunity to rewrite that story <laughs> like this is not going to be the person who somehow makes the fact that you know maybe a parent that wasn't there they're not gonna be able to, to kiss that boo-boo and and make it all better and I I think personally to have that expectation even if it's not overt even if it's kind of like a subtle expectation is really a heavy lift I think is a heavy ask to ask somebody else to do yeah and um, I think, again, like it actually takes away the empowerment that you could have had going into that relationship. Oftentimes we come into situations wounded. And again, this is not about being perfect for poor relationships. This is not stating, stating that every traumatic situation you've ever encountered is going to be should be resolved before you get in a relationship. But it is having the wherewithal to understand that you are not I am not coming in looking for somebody to fill a void. Like we're not looking for void fillers in one another, but what I am doing is being honest about where I am. And I'm also bringing the work that I've already done with me. So that way I can create a new experience from what was into what could be. And oftentimes like 
the the area that we need to heal in the most is our perception. It's not really because again, like like we're talking about, we can't erase what has happened. But the impact of what has happened, I'm going to give you like one thing I use with my clients all the time that really helps to bring this all together. But one of the things that really impacts how we go into relationships and how we can build healthier relationships is by coming in with a changed perspective. And so the way that I kind of detail this idea is story versus narrative. Story is what happened. The narrative is how this story has impacted your life. The narrative is where the trauma lives, not the story. We're often spending so much time or maybe even not enough time acknowledging the story, but we often spend a lot of time in the what happened that we don't spend enough time in what did it do to me? How did this impact me? And not how did it impact me in this victim, like what was me type of mindset, but understanding that, oh, you know what, what I, just like you said earlier, what I'm taking, what what I'm taking that to mean is this. And so I have been carrying this identity of um, I am unlovable. I am unworthy. I you know, do like healthy relationships aren't possible for me. So for people who feel like they should have healthy relationships or, oh, no, I'm confident enough. I know that I'm a good woman. Okay, well, one of your narratives may be that healthy love is not possible or does not exist for you. And so until you address that and change your perception, you're not going to have the, the type of relationships that you want. And if you do engage in relationships, you're looking for void fillers and for people to change your mind instead of going in with an already changed mind and seeing what you can build together. Let the church say yes. Listen, um, <laughs> listeners, <laughs> listeners, um, the evangelist has spoken a mighty word on today. Man, that was powerful. And Vernique, your, your um audio is breaking up a little bit. And so we might have to change some of this in, in post. And listeners, I hate that it is because what she just said was so powerful. But let me see if I can just like summarize this key point because I don't want this to get lost in any part of the translation is there is a difference between the story and the narrative. The story she said is, facts dates times that is what happened but the narrative is what you have made that story mean okay what interpretations you have taken away from it what meaning you have made out of it what conclusions you have drawn and the way that it has impacted your life and so I think a lot of times especially in relationships you know we really get caught in the story this is what happened to me and it's not to, to uh, dismiss or minimize or trivialize the fact that that happened because those are very impactful experiences, but it's the impact. That's, that's the real meat of, of the work, you know, and, and that's the work that, that has to happen, not just before the relationship, but throughout the relationship so that when those experiences or the, the residual effects of those experiences get triggered, in relationship because I have found and listeners, you will find this. I'm, I'm telling you relationships have a way of bringing everything that you have not resolved right to the surface. You'd, if you stay in a relationship long enough, trust and believe all of your core needs and all of your core wounds will absolutely come up in relationship. And so when these things spring up, if you haven't done the work that Vernique just described, you are going to find yourself in conflict. You're going to find yourself floundering. You're going to find yourself pushing people away. You're going to find yourself um, wondering 
why healthy love, that healthy TikTok love that y'all love to scroll through and be like, oh my God, I love that for you. You're wondering why that's not happening for you because you haven't done the work and you haven't been clear about what the narrative is that, that you are carrying around. Man, that was so powerful. That was another tambourine shaking moment. But I, I want to get into this piece. Vernique, so I, I also work with clients from a life coaching perspective. And so I, I'm always very clear with clients. I'm like, listen, coaching is not counseling. Coaching is there's some place you're trying to get to. You recognize that there are some barriers, some obstacles, some hindrances, and you want me to help you navigate the barriers so we can get from point A to point B. Like you need me to help you draw up the place so we can execute and get you to your goals. Counseling, child, we got to have multiple conversations. We got to unpack the story. We got to tarry for the Holy Ghost. I mean, we got to do so much, you know, in counseling yes. before, <laughs> we can, before we can really get to the meat of things. But one thing I do find is that sometimes, and sometimes people come to me for, for relational coaching, um, that there is a real disconnect. I have clients that really, that say that they want love and belonging, that they want to be in healthy relationship. And then we have conversations and they say, but I'm like deathly afraid of commitment. Like, I don't want to be like, I'm not interested in being committed. And I'm like, hold on, hold on, pimp. Let me get this straight. So you want to be loved, you want to be nurtured, you want to be cared for, you want to be wined and dined, but you don't want to be quote unquote tied down. And she's like, right. And I said, okay, we have some work to do. Like, and, and that tells me, I'm like, okay, we have some work to do. So I'm sure you come across that in your work where people say they want one outcome, but are also reluctant to engage the components that will make that outcome come together. So how do you help them resolve that disconnect? Like you say you want love and belonging, but you really don't want to be booed up, you know, because of whatever experiences have made you fearful of, of commitment and attachment. So how do you help people navigate those disconnects? Yeah, I think I'm going to, is it okay if I upset your audience a little bit? I see, I don't Ooh. like to come places and ruffle feathers. Girl, listen. Come through with the come through. Come step on the toes. Come snatch the edges. Like people that listen to my podcast, they're used to this by now. Like I get so many DMs like, damn, Dr. Shante, you know, you came down my pew. You ain't have to come for me like that. I feel attacked, you know, but it's all in love, you all. I mean, like the, the title of this podcast is Whole and Complete. And so it's it's hard to get to, to wholeness and completeness uh, without discomfort. And so please go for it. Yeah, um, I think that this is getting more and more and more common um, with the current tide of dating culture today. Before I even dive all the way in there, I'm going to reaffirm what you said, which is that it is rooted in fear. A lot of it is rooted in fear. I do not want to put my eggs in a basket and then somebody destroyed them all and now I'm starving, right? And so that I get that. I also think, though, that a Part of it is our desire. Um, it's two things. One is that we are settling more and more. We're settling more and more. Ooh. And 
Oh, okay. A lot of the times, what we're saying is, I want, and, and I also think, well, a lot of times what we're saying is, I want all of the benefits and none of the res- responsibility. And so, because <laughs> because we are settling, we we think that you know what, if I can find some place where that where I can just get my bare minimum intimacy needs met, then that's fine. I'll step away, and I'm just gonna and I'm I'm just gonna take what I can get. But it's also uh, the flip side of that coin is that we don't want the responsibility of having to love others as well, but we want all of the benefits of that. And what I'm seeing more and more in social media, and, and this is the part that may upset some people, is like these different trends. And it's, it's specific to women. Now, I, I love women. I advocate for women, especially black women, especially for believers. But but I think that there's a lot that that is marketed to us and that we eat up and that's not the the purpose of love and marriage and so this whole idea of princess treatment this whole idea of soft life era like all of these things and these are things that i'm not against i'm not against them sometimes i even talk about soft life right but i also realize that when we look at culture right culture is not is not meant to be exactly biblical and so when we look at princess era a lot of women are saying, well, I'm tired of being treated a certain way in relationships. And so now I want to put myself in position to where I'm getting all of the benefits. So that way I don't end up, I don't end up hurt again. But what happens is we end up building one-sided relationships with people in the same ways that we didn't want them to do with us. Girl, y'all, the choir will now render an A and B selection. The ushers are coming forth for the offering. <laughs> Girl, hold up. Let let me pump your brakes right here. Listener. Okay. Cause... Do y'all see? You see how she just came for y'all? This is how she was coming for me on the TikToks. This is why I brought her on the show. Y'all. Uh, girl. You, first of all, this incongruity that you're talking about, all of the benefits and none of the responsibilities. Listeners, if you are in this category, you just need to own it. You need to own it. You know, if she came down your pew, just say, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Like, look, that is a that is a truism. It is natural to want to be loved, but seldom do we interrogate what it, what it takes to give love, okay? And what it takes to give love, that healthy love, that thick love, because Toni Morrison say thin love ain't no love at all, okay? So that thick love, what it takes for that thick love is a level of vulnerability and self-awareness that a lot of us have not engaged yet or unwilling to engage. And I used to be one of those people for a long time. I thought that vulnerability was weakness. No, mm-hmm. baby, vulnerability, that's that's some grown folks stuff. That's, that's some Hennessy type stuff. Like that's some hair mm-hmm. on your chest type stuff. To be vulnerable and to show up in those places with your hopes and your dreams and your aspirations and the possibilities of heartbreak, that is hard. Yeah. That is hard. And we want men, ladies, so a lot of times we want men to show up with those things in hand. We want him to show up with his heart. We want him to show up with his A game. We want him to show up with his pockets full and and willing to, you know, um, send us DoorDash when we're hungry and 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 throw his cape across the, the, the puddles when it's raining and all of that. And then when you ask, okay, sis, so what you doing? What is he getting out the deal? What? What? I feel like, and then we go into this tirade about, you know, how black women been denigrated in this our time. Like we, like we collect yeah. the reparations from men and it's like, sis, that's, 
Yeah. No, that's not what love is. You know, that's just not what it is. You know, I'm not saying that that's not, that is a form of transactional relationship. Um, so I'm not saying that those things don't exist. And for some people, quote unquote, I guess they work. You know, if, if you like it, I love it. But let's not call it what it's not. That's not love. That's not that's not that thick right. love. That's not that healthy, right. happy, abundant love. Um, I didn't mean to cut you off, but girl, you was you was you was on a roll. Um, truthfully, it's that settling. Um, and I love this piece you said kind of getting the bare minimum of my intimacy needs met. But then I run off into the corner, you know, with all that I have to give. And I don't want to take responsibility for having to meet somebody else's needs. Absolutely. What happens is, again, like we end up going and, and straying further and further from the intent of love and marriage. And a lot of times what we're saying when we're like, you know what, I'm putting my hands up. That's it. I'm not doing another thing. Is What, what we don't want to admit is I have put my heart in the wrong hand. And so now I'm tired and worn out and I'm going to take it out on whoever comes. And that's just not fair. Right. And so what we do instead is to acknowledge, yes, sometimes like dating culture right now is trash. It's not the same way that it has been in our parents' age and our auntie's age and our great grandparents. It's not the same because culture is not the same. Needs are not exactly the same. Now, we all have biological physiological, psychological needs that have remained the same and will continue to remain. But the means through which we get them now are different because our socioeconomics are changing. Um, but the reality is that you still are responsible for the for at least half, if not more, for at least half of the relationships that you have engaged in that have led you to this jaded place because re relationships require consent. You didn't get into that relationship like by yourself. Right. Or they didn't drag you or force you into it. You may have settled into it. And listen, I am chief among them who has date who has been in a situation ship or two or 10. OK, I have been there, but I also <laughs> Not or 10 responsibility for where my actions were leading me. And I had to I had to. <laughs> But I had to I had to look at myself and say, okay, well, what I'm not going to do is be jaded by the time the, the man that I want comes around because of all of the clowns that I played around with in my past. So let me get self-aware. Let me address what's going on in me. And this is what I empower my clients to do as well, is let's look at where our blind spots are. Let's look at what are the things that are that are allowing us to continuously engage and not have boundaries to settle on our standards that are allowing us to have these same experiences. And it usually comes down to some trauma and these beliefs that we have about ourselves or that we have about others that is impacting our choices. So, you know, I'm, I'm gonna get off that. But that's just, those are some of my thoughts when it as it relates to why people are choosing more, I'll take what I can get type of relationships. Y'all, I'm about to give the benediction, real talk. So that is so powerful. And that's what this is really about. So one thing that I can tell you truly, truly um, about relationships is that you cannot change people. Listeners, I repeat, let me say it for the people in the cheap seats in the back row. You cannot change people. The only thing that you can control is how your is how you are showing up in the relationship, how you are showing up in, in that dynamic. And sometimes, listeners, you do show up with your A game. You show up there having done some work on yourself and you show up there, you know, like the high value asset that you are. And then you start ent entertaining these low ball offers. 
Okay, you if you a high value asset, you know, you sit up and taking these low ball offers, this take what I can get the yeah, the market is tight, you know, so I'm gonna try to get me a fixer upper. Mm -mm, mm -mm. Your beliefs become your reality. So as long as you believe that the market is tight for you, as long as you believe that the good ones are taken, as long as you believe that, you know, you have to take what you can get, as long as you believe that, you know, a piece of a man is better than no man at all, all of that. As long as that's what you think, those are the things that are going to become your reality and, and the self-fulfilling prophecy that becomes, like Bernique said, situationships or flirtationships or he all right, you know, or, or you know, the, the, you know, this is a clean show, but you know, what we call the, um, the D-I-C-K in the box, like, you know, the dip, like, you know, that, that person that you can call when you know you need an itch to scratch and that sort of thing. I know y'all like, oh my gosh, Dr. Shantae clutched the pearls, but I know you, I know my audience, y'all, y'all like my kids, like we've been, we've been doing this too long. I know how y'all are. Okay. And so, but you have to take ownership of that and you have to say, what part of this am I responsible for? How did I participate in these dynamics? What types of text messages did I send when I was feeling lonely or I was feeling like I needed a win or, or like you have to, to own all of those pieces. And if you want the dynamics to change, which is where I want to end our, our talk today, Vernique. If you want those dynamics to change and you don't want the situationships and you don't want to settle, how do you recommend turning the tide to get to a healthier, happier, stronger place? Yeah, I think the number one thing that you can do that would yield the most immediate results. And as a matter of fact, I'll, I'll give I'll give you all two because we've talked about one already. But one is addressing that narrative. You've got to know that it exists. So that way you can see how it's showing up. When I tell you that is one of the number one, like eye opening, like, oh my God, I have this belief about these things. Like we are carrying, our trauma is running amok because we refuse to look at what our true beliefs are. Not the ones that you hope that you have, not the ones that you pretend to have, not the ones that you have when your girlfriends are around and y'all are like, mm -hmm, yeah, girl, yes, sis. The ones that you actually have. Not those aspirational social media beliefs. I am a queen. I am a this. I'm like, I'm. Yeah, that sounds good. But in real life, are you yeah. doing queen-ish? <laughs> are, right. are, are, your, are your behaviors consistent with, with those aspirational beliefs? Okay, so yes, looking at the narrative, yeah. go on. So looking at the narrative. And then the next thing that I think is highly, highly like profitable relationally is boundaries 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 your boundaries seal the work your, the healing work that you do you cannot say like you know what i've changed my narrative i believe that i am this and that and this and that and then do not have boundaries that protect those beliefs mm. y'all hear that y'all she said boundaries seal the work okay and i love this because i'm a visual learner right and so that is really tantamount to having some sort of surgical procedure done, right? Or having some stitches done, right? And then, you know, they send you out there with no gauze, no dressing for the wound, no neosporin, none of like- That's so good. No, it's like, look, we've done some work. We've done some work to treat the wound. We've cleaned it. We've sterilized it. We've um, sewn it up. We've taken care of some of the pain relief and the swelling. And now we need to cover this. We need to cover this. And we need to let that sit and marinate for a little while, while it's healing so that you don't go out there 
and reinfect and reinflict yourself. Absolutely. Could not have said it better myself. That's literally it. And so our, our boundaries oftentimes reflect our standards and, our, and what we value. And so if your boundaries are loose, a lot of the times, or, the, or you don't maintain them, it's because you don't really value them. And so if you ha- like have boundaries and create boundaries, and I recommend writing this down, like I have a whole formula and all that kind of stuff, but writing down what are my beliefs, right? What are, or excuse me, what are my values? What are the things that I'm now putting my gaze towards? Um, a lot of, you know, we'll hear this uh, idea of core values, right? What are my core values? And let me create boundaries from those places because then I know that when I violate this boundary, I'm actually violating a core value. I cannot say that I value peace of mind, but I am engaging in relationships that cause chaos. And when I do, I have to look at myself in the mirror and say, I thought you valued peace. Why are you still here? What are you doing? Why are you connected to this man? Are you lonely? Are you bored? Do you just want some attention? Now, what are what are some other ways that I can now honor my boundary, honor my values, but get the need? Because those needs are real, right? We're not shaming people for loneliness, for, for desiring companionship, et cetera. But we do have to get those from healthier places. And so your boundaries are going to be a gauge and they're going to allow you to honor and respect yourself um, and not just be trying to find ways to X people off the island. No, it's a way for you to honor yourself and your core values. So that way you can be in alignment with that. I love that. Listeners, this episode was so rich. Uh, We had a couple of glitches on internet and audio. And if you've made it this far, you know that you were blessed because I know I sure was. (laughs) So Vernique, how can people take action with you if people, when people recover, and they get out of their feelings and they decide, you know what? I might need to talk to her. I might want, I need to work with her. What is the best way to reach you um, and take action with you? Absolutely. So um, I have this thing called the Healthy Love Campaign. Uh, it's a five-week program. I'm wrapping up cohort one. Cohort two should be starting in January. So if you're interested in being a part of that, what we're doing is teaching um, high-achieving Christian women how to position themselves for the love that they desire and deserve by using some of the things that we talked about. So we'll talk about addressing your trauma and things like that. And and so it's just, it's more a teaching program. It's not really a coaching program where we're going in depth. But if you do want to work in depth, I do some one-on-one coaching um, that like there are, if you, no matter where you live, like I'll even fly out to you for one session. It's, It's packaged up, but it's for people who are really serious about doing the work. Um, and, but if you want to follow my content, of course, you can find me at Vernique Esther everywhere, like literally everywhere. Oh, and one more thing, um, during the holiday season, I'm hosting a journal club. It's just a, a membership just to have, again, high achieving Christian women connect and work on their mental health during the season, um, because I know that it can be rough on mental health. So again, not really a coaching program. We're not, I'm not doing therapy. I'm also full on therapy right now, right now, but, um, it's just for us to connect and build community and and maintain our mental health as we're figuring these things out. So that's, those are some ways you can connect with me. I love that you all, and I will be sure to put that in the show notes. Um, And I love that you're creating community and dialogue around these issues. So listeners, woo, this was rich. What a way to start uh, season one. And so if you have any questions, comments, takeaways, I usually would say hit me up at Dr. Shante says, but no, I'm going to tell you to hit them up at Vernique Esther. So that (laughs) like, don't come, don't come knocking on my door. You come knocking on her door. (laughs) 
Like she said it, and you know, uh, she was the messenger, and I'll just interpret it the meaning of all that she has said. It's okay, but, I want all the smoke. <laughs> yeah, she wants all the smoke. Um, and and well deserved smoke at that. But no, listener, this this was so needed, and and I I do this because, <clears throat> as I said, y'all, I think it's really irresponsible for influencers quote unquote and y'all know how I feel about that word but for influencers to paint this really sunny narrative about all the wins and about all the sunny days and all the wonderful things that are happening to them and never circle back and be like you know what um as much work as I have done as many you know uh podcasts as I have delivered about mental health and wellness I did not, you know, so to come full circle, what I did not do is I did not seal the work. I did not put a healthy enough boundary in place that kept me from engaging in a relationship with somebody that I knew um, was distantly attached, you know, and so she really brought it full circle. And so hit her up at Vernique Esther. Um, if you want to do uh, coaching with her or, or that teaching program or some of that journal work, she would be happy to have you. And Vernique, I, wow. That's all I can say is, wow. Thank you so much for coming on the show. You have a lifelong subscriber in me. Keep on making content uh, because it really is impacting and changing lives. And thank you so much for coming onto the show. Thank you for having me. This was an amazing experience. Thank you so much, Dr. Shante. You're welcome.